I think it's funny to think like that is literally the opposite of the meet cute story that people want to hear where it's like, how did you meet your boyfriend? Like, oh, he used to be my stepbrother. Like, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> but it's still an exception to the rule. So people are like, I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would listen. I would pull out the popcorn. Whole <laughs> cup of tea poured. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to sit. Tell me, girl, tell me everything. <laughs> Don't leave out any details. No details. Everything matters. Everything matters. <laughs> How do you like dating your brother? Please tell me. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. What a clickbaity headline. <laughs> Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I am so honored to be joined by a fellow podcaster, Cassandra Pollard, and she's the host of Meet Cute Actually, an amazing podcast that really flips the Hollywood concept of a meet cute on its head and shares the real life love stories that we don't typically see in the media. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a I'm super excited. This is my first podcast swap. So I'm really excited (laughs) to see what happens. Yes, I love doing these. As soon as I heard about your show, I was like, we definitely need to connect. It's such an interesting concept. And I always assume that everyone knows what this is. But just, you know, for the sake of covering all of our bases for the listeners, what in your opinion makes something a meet cute? So my official definition, the one I use on my podcast is like, you know, a meet cute actually are those scenes in the movies where the couple meets for the first time in a situation, you know, like someone drops a book in a bookstore and then someone else comes and picks it up for them. (laughs) That's like the Hollywood meet cute. Mm -hmm. But for me and why I decided to name my podcast meet cute actually is because to me, any moment in life as mundane or as kind of orchestrated as like online Mm -hmm. dating is a meet cute. And I think when people have these, like these expectations of what love should be, I think it has, had detrimental effects and impacts on millennial dating. So my goal is to make me cute, actually, somewhere where people can go to hear real love stories and hear the real struggles and the real triumphs and just kind of like temper the expectations when it comes to what a meet cute should be mm-hmm. and be happy with whatever opportunity is kind of brought their way. I love that so much. And would you say that you were kind of a cinephile growing up? Were you consuming a lot of media that kind of exposed you to this early on? Yes. My dad, <laughs> the one who calls me Cassandra, um, <laughs> he was a big movie buff. Like every weekend was a blockbuster, just picking out new movies. And my mm-hmm. dad was a really, really into movies. His movie collection growing up was insane. But with that, I think uh, I also developed a love for movies and it started with Disney. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a cinephile, but I was definitely a Disneyphile. (laughs) (laughs) That's the word. It is now. It is now. It is now. (laughs) And yeah, no, I loved watching movies and I loved movies that talked about love. I loved all Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Mm -hmm. 101 Dalmatians and all the things. And I was definitely more drawn to the rom coms very early on, clueless. It's another one. Yes. Um, wow. Classic. The, yeah. Classics. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I started my rom-com love very, very early on in life. It makes me wonder as we're talking about this, like that era of Disney films was such a distinct 
point in time. And so I'm like the generation before us, like what were they watching as kids too? And I mean, that's a question I could easily research and get an answer to, but I feel like Mm -hmm. for me, it's so easy to answer that question for our generation because it is so distinct and it's such a momentous period in like film history. It's like really interesting how big of an impact that has on our perception of romance. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think like when you're young and I think also it was a time period, like the fact that it was like the eighties, nineties, the economy was doing well. Like everyone had just like big dreams, big Mm -hmm. hopes, like everything was like goldified if you want to say that and (laughs) I think that trickled down into what you saw in the media as well and what we saw as children in the media Mm -hmm. yeah I completely agree and so I would love to hear like what expectations you feel rom-com meet cutes set and how that kind of impacted your approach to dating I think that rom-com meet cute set this expectation of, well, drama for one, always drama. Mm, <laughs> so, yes. And also there's always a best friend that's just like kind of hanging around giving a lot of advice. <laughs> that's so best <laughs> a lot of advice that you probably shouldn't be listening to. Yeah. Um, More but... invested in your life than they really should be. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I've taken away from rom-com meet cutes. But um, <laughs> I think that there's always these like, obstacles these huge obstacles that these characters Mm -hmm. have to overcome to show their love to show like how much they're meant to be together Mm -hmm. and these like big dramatic moments that are declarations of love that also kind of have to happen to show how much someone cares and I I think my early 20s when I first started dating even like my teens I definitely had this like perception like that's what love should be like that's how someone falls in love and it should be should be over the top and it should be, you know, it should be something you could tell your friends about it. And every time they hear the story, they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But, um, I think the more I dated and the older I got, I started to see the flaws and what that does and those expectations that you have for love, how that can negatively impact your relationships in the long term. Yeah. And I totally agree. I do feel like it just like over romanticizes these relationships that have a quote unquote cute story behind them. Mm -hmm. And It's interesting now that online dating is so prevalent in our age, because it's like, that is the antithesis of the meet cute, you know, like there's nothing really cute about swiping on your couch, like when you're lonely (laughs) on a Sunday night. But I remember when I was in high school, online dating still wasn't super prevalent. I had this English teacher and I loved her. She was great. But I remember she told us that she was engaged to this guy she met online. And I remember thinking like, that's so sad, you know, like, why couldn't she meet someone in person? Mm -hmm. And now fast forward, like, I don't know, 12 years later, and I met my current boyfriend on the dating apps. So it's like, it's, I'm glad that the stigma is being lifted. But I feel like that stigma is still there, just because of how we've been socialized. 110%. Like, I swipe my guy friends sometimes, and like, also for my own personal, like, dating profiles. Like, the amount of like times people say on like their profile, like, you know, if someone asked, we met in a grocery store. Someone asked, like, <laughs> yeah. If someone asked, we met in church. If someone asked, I'm like, <laughs> like they're like, so embarrassed that they're on this platform and like this is where they're meeting someone. And I think it is because of that over romanticized view of what we think dating should be. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the world evolves and it changes and it doesn't matter where you meet the person or how you meet the person. It's about the relationship that evolves and comes out of that meet cute. That what's really matters. And I think part of the goal of meet cute out of the mini goals, um, (laughs) one of the goals goals is to kind of help people understand that it doesn't matter. The meet cute doesn't matter at the end of Mm -hmm. the day. I mean, when you listen to the episodes, you'll see that 
maybe only the first like five minutes actually focuses on the actual meet cute moment. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the episode is just how they took that moment and they allowed themselves to be open to love in whatever Mm -hmm. form it came in. And they didn't, they weren't hindered by how they met. It was only such a small part of the story. How and why is such a small part of the story. What really matters to the story is what happens next. And so many rom-coms just stop with the meet cute. It stops with like, the meet cute and a little bit of drama before they become official or like it, it just stops. Yes. You don't actually see the relationship evolve. That's so true. And I think what I love about what we're doing at Me Cute actually is that you see what happens next. You see the evolution. You see what comes next. And I think that's so important. And I think that's what Hollywood leaves out, which is what mm-hmm. forms these unrealistic expectations of love. Yeah, it's the whole trope of, and they lived happily ever after. And it's like, literally, no, they're in the honeymoon phase. And so they're going to be happily ever after for like, I know, six months, a year. But like, what about beyond that? And Mm -hmm. it's interesting, like one of the movies that I wanted to bring up is the breakup, because it was like, so different and like flipped the script on like what a romantic comedy should be. I watched it again recently and I actually have very mixed feelings about it because I was like, Oh my God, Vince Vaughn was a terrible person. Like he was so mean to Jennifer Aniston. Why was she with him? Whatever. But I at least could appreciate the fact that it showed the difficulties of the relationship. Mm -hmm. But there's like one thing that I heard and I heard this on a different podcast. Apparently they like tested the movie. Like they'll do focus groups to test the ending. And at first they just ended with them being broken up. And audiences were like, we hate this movie. That's terrible. And then they added a tiny little thing at the end where they see each other on the street. And then they kind of both look back at each other and it leaves it open-ended as like, maybe they will live happily ever after. And so as easy as it is to like really shit on Hollywood and be like, why do you feed this to us? It's like, I don't know. We also clearly want that for whatever reason. It's like comforting and nice to see. I mean, yeah, all my books I read, are, they're not romances, but they definitely have romance storylines to it. I mean, people want a happy ending. Mm-hmm. You want a happy ending to escape from your life and reality. And that's the point of a happy ending, right? Is Even though you may not know how the story is going to end, you know there's going to end on a good note. And I think that's why people mm-hmm. enjoy rom-coms so much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there is, I think I actually really like the breakup. I like the fact that it showed a couple ending. <laughs> so yeah. It showed the end of the relationship was at the beginning. Yes. And while focus groups, so I work in, I work in marketing. Oh, yeah. And I, focus groups are, you know, they're important. It's a good cross-section and you can see people's results and everything. But I do think there is something to be said about ideas and thoughts that don't have the mass appeal. Like life doesn't have a mass appeal. <laughs> like love, like a true love story does not have mass appeal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reality of it. It's just like, it's messy. It's, it's not enjoyable to watch real love. Like it's not <laughs> something you want to sit back on a Saturday night and your popcorn <laughs> and your ice cream and just like chowing. That's not what you want to do. That's, it's not enjoyable to watch. Like you no. want something that has a bit of a happier ending. But what I appreciated about the breakup is that, you know, it felt a little bit more realistic. It, yeah a little bit a little bit yes yeah yeah as realistic as we can expect like a hollywood with like a lister movie to be so exactly exactly but yeah i totally agree that it's like the real life moments they're not like the glamorous moments and you know telling people about my current relationship i remember i met 
some people at a party and I, I didn't know anyone at this party. So people keep asking like, how do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, oh, I'm dating his brother. And then the question is, oh, well, how did you meet? You know? Yeah. And I remember with one person, they didn't mean anything by this, but I said like, oh, we just met on Hinge. And he's like, good for you. Good for you for like being honest about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't like, there's nothing to lie about, you know, <laughs> like it's not some 100%. dark secret. 100%. hundred percent. Yeah. And actually I wanted to know from you, what did you think a meet cute was before, before we met, before we talked, mm -hmm. did you have a perception of what you thought a meet cute should be? I think my perception was very similar to your definition. And if I were to put it in my own words, it would just be when you meet somebody who's a romantic interest and it's by total chance, like neither of you is looking for love. You happen to run into each other in this totally organic way and just get swept off your feet doing something that would otherwise be mundane. Mm -hmm. I think one example, like the wedding planner where it's like, oh, she almost gets like run over, you know, but this guy like comes to save her. And of course it's someone as handsome as Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I am a big fan of the holiday mm. and in the holiday, one of the lead roles, I forget his name. He's a writer. I forget the character's name, but he's a writer. Um, mm -hmm. He's an old guy and mm -hmm. Kate Winslet's just like kind of like helping him and, yeah. you know, he accepts the award and whatever, whatever. But anyway, so he talks about their meet cute. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about it because he defines a meet cute from Hollywood because he's a Hollywood, he's a Hollywood screenwriter. But what's interesting is I've kind of like been listening to the stories about like these meet cute actuallys and just meet cutes in general. I sometimes wonder why we romanticize the romantic meetings of people. Yeah. And to me, a meet cute can happen between friends. Mm -hmm. first time meeting your roommate, the first time meeting your coworker. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel as though those, to me, those meetings can have the same kind of the gravity on your life that a romantic meeting Absolutely. can have. And yeah. for that reason, I have started to believe that a meet cute doesn't just have to be a romantic encounter. To me, a meet cute is that, that first meeting with that person that has an impact of some sort on your life. And that's just my evolution of it. <laughs> I really love that because as you're describing that, I was thinking like, wow, I do have some friendships where I love the story of how we met, you know, like, or the story of how our friendship evolved into what it was. So I mm -hmm. do agree. It's like a lot of those relationships are going to last exponentially longer than, you know, your romantic meet cute. So why do we not focus on those stories with equal importance? Exactly. The actually side of me cute. <laughs> yes, yes. Bringing it full circle. Exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, have you ever experienced A, something that you would define as a meet cute and also what you think like Hollywood would define as a meet cute? Yeah, I mean, like I said, a meet cute is anything mm -hmm. where you meet someone for the first time. To me, especially someone who has like an impact on your life and like it has an impact you know what, let's stick to Hollywood. Love You're that. adding a new character to your story. Wow. I think that is, to me, the meet cute moment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've had plenty of those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that I've had meet cutes on like Bumble and Hinge. Yeah. And that all those dating apps have been, have been better than others, admittedly. <laughs> Some of them were more romantic than others. Naturally. Um, <laughs> but then I also, you know, occasionally I have like, the in-person real life ones. Mm -hmm. The one that kind of sticks out of my head is I went to Europe. I was on my Eat, Pray, Love. And nice. <laughs> I went to Europe by myself on like a solo trip. It was my first awesome. time ever doing it. 
came Amazing. back, had my hair in braids. I had bought these like these sunglasses in Spain and they were wooden. It was like, from this like small little boutique. Aww. And I think they had like three boutiques in the entirety of Spain. So I was feeling myself basically. I was on the subway. <laughs> <I was feeling. laughs> Fresh out of fresh from Euro trip vibes, like mm-hmm. like nice dress on. Yes. on. I was like, I'm cute. It is what it is. <laughs> I love that. Love that energy. <laughs> I'm giving you like your trip, fresh back, vacay vibes. Yeah. that is. You're glowing. I'm glowing. I was glowing. I know I was. I was feeling myself. <laughs> what I'm about that particular glow moment is, I don't know. I don't feel like typically, like I've had, you know, the, the cat calls as mm-hmm. women do and, you know, you get the guys hitting on you. It, it happens. It does, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But like the earnest interest in getting to know me I feel like that happens not as frequently as this particular day. So I'll tell you the story. So <laughs> I was on the train <laughs> and I, I get on and I sit down again. I'm like feeling myself. I'm on my phone. I'm like, yeah, I'm cute. Whatever. I went to look up. One guy gets on the train. The next stop after me sits down next to me. Cool. Cool. Dope, dope. Following that, maybe a stop later. Another guy gets on the train. He stands right in front of me. Mm. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like it's this New York city. So morning yeah. is crowded. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not, think anything of it i'm still like, on my phone whatever mm-hmm. so i had purposely put on these glasses like i i was waiting for someone to ask me about these sunglasses so I, knew, <laughs> I knew they looked good and like two stops later after this other guy got on and this guy we'll call him blue suit guy gets on the train <laughs> <laughs> he's like i really like you sunglasses like oh here's our opportunity yes ready. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these, thank you. He's a bridge guy. I was like, oh, just a small boutique in Spain. I don't really think they have an online presence, oh though. Oh my gosh, <laughs> amazing. You can't get these here. <laughs> <laughs> these are exclusive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't find them in the States. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, I really like them. I want to know what you got them, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I told him, like, I just got back from Spain, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, that's so cool. And then, like, the conversation kind of, like, ended. And I was like, cool. I got to say what I wanted to say. Yeah. Early in the day, they can only go for me. I can't wait to get to work so I can say the same story again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I tell my story. And fast forward, like, another stop later or so. I thought the conversation was over because I had said my piece. I said, told you my class. Yeah. Yeah. You got the pitch out. So uh, you're heading to work. I was like, oh, this conversation is still going on. <laughs> okay. <You're> like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm finished, but cool. We can have this conversation. <laughs> so we started chatting and he gets off at Fulton Street and he's a blue suit guy. I'm like, so he has a job job, which is cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like Fulton Street is like down by Wall Street and like, it's oh, finance bro. Finance bro. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, at least had a job. Yeah. <laughs> and he asked me for my number. And I was like, I was kind of like dubious, but like, oh. he was well mm-hmm. And he was cute. And also, he noticed my sunglasses. So that was like kind of like plus one in my book. Yes. So, <laughs> I gave him my He's I gave him attentive. My, he's attentive, exactly. He notices the details. So I gave him my phone number. And I didn't think anything of it because I mean, guys ask for your number all the time. Yep. And then it comes out of it. Mm hmm. I get to my stop. The guy who's sitting next to me first, I get off the train jogs up next to me and it's like i was really surprised you talked to that guy I was like, excuse me he was like well what? i want i wanted to ask you about your sunglasses again today oh my god you snooze you lose fella like <laughs> i was like what is this world i'm in this is so crazy Could be, what are these magical sunglasses also like i feel like you need to bring them on camera for a second like 
They're really nice. They're really good. <laughs> had I known I would tell the story, I would have had them. <laughs> we can so use our imaginations. Yeah. yeah. Blue and green. And like, they're, they're great Ooh. sunglasses. They're quality, quality sunglasses. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> so he, he like runs up to me and asks me, he asked me for my number. He asked me out. I'm like, what is this world? Oh my God. So I get to the office and the other guy who I gave my phone number to on the train texts me. He's like, hey, it was so nice meeting you. What is this world? And he's wow. like, so nice that follow through. Exactly. And he's like, we're just like texting back and forth. And he's like, would you like to meet up tonight? Oh. I was like, tonight? <laughs> and I know he lives near me because we like two stops mm-hmm. away. Like I know general area where he lives. Yeah. And I was like, sure. He's like, I know this really great taco place. I was like, I love that taco place. We went to the taco place. Wow. Had a date. dessert. And we started dating. What? <laughs> Okay, that's but, great. But, but, but okay. <laughs> what was interesting about that particular meet cute is that I think I was more enthralled by the story yes. than the actual man. Like mm-hmm. our connection was fine, but I just was like, wouldn't it be great if I could tell this story forever? <laughs> I meet yeah. You. And I think what what happens sometimes, some of my friends even they they meet guys and different things, and sometimes people are more enthralled by the story yep. than they are the actual relationship. Yeah. Which brings me to people I've met online who have had better connections with and more sustainable relationships. And the story, the meet cute was boring. It was, mm-hmm. I switched right. Yeah. We messaged for like a week or two. We met for drinks. And yeah. Boring. It's, it's, that story took like three seconds. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more like formulaic. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's no like twists and turns. There's no twists and turns. It is pretty pretty boring <laughs> but I think boring is okay sometimes yeah I remember someone once told me that when you have that spark that burns so strong so fast there's more potential for it to burn out quickly versus yeah. like a steady flame that like takes time to grow and develop and like turn into like this all-engulfing flame of like passion and love it's like when you're building a fire you need to have the kindling and then mm-hmm. you add like the bigger pieces and then I don't know newspaper and then like <laughs> <laughs> I was a Girl Scout. You wouldn't believe yeah, it though. It I shows. It shows. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> no idea how really to build a fire. Pieces and make it bigger or whatever. Yeah. But the point is, those are the sustainable fires. Like the ones that just like, you just like throw everything on at one time. It, like, yeah. It's a flash and it's yeah. a flame, but eventually it just kind of smolders it and it has nowhere to go. So I kind of have that point. Of, that's my point of view on like online dating and my experience like I've had plenty of like those like flame you know mm-hmm. relationships passionate met in some crazy way yeah it hasn't necessarily made the relationship better in the end no that's such a great analogy it's a perfect metaphor for the way to form the foundation for like a healthy long-lasting relationship and I also love what you said about the fact that like you do kind of like place this added importance on relationships that start off in that cute way. And I don't know what it is like as humans, like, I guess we do want to tell this like cute story because I feel like there's one person who I dated and it was kind of like this long saga of like when we first met to when we then became boyfriend, girlfriend and all this like tension in between. And it was like, okay, that wasn't a good relationship. But like in my mind, I kept giving it this elevated importance and putting it on a pedestal 
because I was like, well, we keep coming back to each other. And like, I hate to draw this comparison because I have friends who always make fun of me and say I'm the Carrie in our friend group, which I hate <laughs> because everyone who knows Sex in the City knows Carrie Bradshaw sucks. But it was kind of like the Carrie and Big thing where it was like yeah. they knew each other for 10 years. It was on and off. They would run into mm-hmm. each other. And it wasn't obviously like as crazy as that like this is still real life but it was kind of like that and so it definitely made me be like we are meant to be together even when like so many things were telling us like no this relationship is not great at all I mean I personally have had my own big situation as well and on and off for like 10 years I was young but still Mm -hmm. like it just like dragged on for way longer than I should have yeah and you know back and forth back and forth and in your head you're like well obviously there must be something and I mean, it's interesting. I was younger when it happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would still do it now, but who knows? To your point, yeah. when you think that you keep be- getting put in someone's orbit for a reason, you think there has to be a reason for it, but sometimes that's just life. Yeah. <laughs> and there is no higher power telling you that this is the person you're meant to be with. No. I met, I have another meet cute story for you. If you're yes, interested. Bring it on. Okay. I used to work at a bookstore on campus and this particular Saturday, the day of the party, I was working in the cafe. So I was over there making my frappuccinos and my lattes. These two guys come in and I see them. I'm like, oh, they're cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, let me fix my hair real quick. <laughs> I'm like in my like campus hoodie, like mocha stains on my jeans. I look horrible. I was like, I look the best shit possible. <laughs> so the guys come over and they ask me and they're like, they're like, well, what's good here? Like, we don't really come here often. We're just like trying to kill time before our thing later. We're like, I was like, oh, well, um, people order strawberries and cream frappuccinos a lot. And they were like, okay, we'll get one of those. I was like, cool. So one of them had like these dreads and this like golden skin. And he was Ooh. just, girl, good looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Girl, I can I picture was, him right now. Beautiful. I get really nervous around like attractive like men, and so I'm just like, okay, yeah, like, cool. like, you, you have the upper hand. You know what you're doing in the behind this counter. Like, you have the <laughs> they need you in this transaction. <laughs> I'm making his frappuccino, and I'm like, would you like whipped cream with that? And he was like, well, is it better with whipped cream? And I said it more seductively than I meant to, but I was like, it's always better with whipped cream. And I did oh, not mean for the my God, I love that. <laughs> I did not mean for it to come off that way. Anyway, I saw his face, he smiled. I got a ten dollars <sighs> tip when they left. So oh hell it. yeah. Right? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is my future husband. Never see him again. Don't know his name. Oh, Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward, I'm in the dining hall with my girls that night. We're planning how we're going to get to the party, what we're going to wear, XYZ. I'm telling them the story about this guy that I told everything's better with cream and my job. <laughs> this like, beautiful guy with dreads. I'm in the middle of the story and I just happened to turn my head and I look over my shoulder and he walks right past me. And I had what? never seen this man before on campus. Like, what? Ever. And I had been on campus for like two years at this point. I'm like, I had never seen oh this man God. before. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, I go to the cafeteria all the time. Like, I've never seen you. Yeah. So I was like, guys, that was him. Like, that was that was the guy I was just telling you about. I'm like, that's crazy. How, like, that's, that's something you would literally talk. Like, I know. Fast forward, we're right, at right this party. Again, I am just like, we're, at, by, we're standing by the bar. I'm now telling my other two friends who have missed our dinner conversation mm-hmm. about what happened. Twice already that day. I turned my head just again. The man walked in the front door. It was crazy. Girl, it was crazy. That is literally out of a movie. That's something that they would write in and you would be like, no way. Like, what are the odds? That never happens. So I see him and he sees me and he was like, I feel like I should ask you your name. I was like, I feel it feels right. By the third time, you should. Yeah. Yeah. So we started talking, hanging out, exchanged numbers. 
we hung out a couple months or twice. Nothing really came of it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. I now live in Brooklyn, New York. I, I lived in Harlem at the time, so I'm in New York. It had been years since I was in college. I had a boyfriend at the time. I was walking through Brooklyn, and I'm on my phone, and I hear. I was like, "Who is a what?" It was late at night too. I was like, "Who is hissing at me?" Yeah. <laughs> he was like, hey, hey, hey! And I was like, "Who?" Oh, I was like, "Hold on, I'm about to get kidnapped." Like, just yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Share my location quickly. <laughs> drop in, drop in. <laughs> I turn around and it's the guy, the same guy from oh the party. My god. Wow. Wow. And I'm like, I don't even know what to. It is five, six, seven years, maybe. Yeah. And I was like, I got to call you back. (laughs) 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 I was like, so crazy. You live here and blah, blah, blah. And we we both have the same numbers. Like, yeah, let's keep in touch. XYZ. Fast forward months, months, months later. My boyfriend and I break up. This guy is still like around because we both were into film and different like creative endeavors. And we decide to hang out. Mm-hmm. And we go out again nothing really comes of it but i'm like but no but we have gone out but now like he's back in my life again like, yeah nothing comes of it fast forward three years later oh my gosh i'm in a completely different spot completely <laughs> different neighborhood it's still in new york but i'm at a party with my friends like it's like there's this thing called the rub and it's like this big dance party that hundreds of people come to they've been doing it for the past like 10 11 years I don't know if they do it right now because, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like, it was like the thing. It's the last Saturday of every month. There's like this big hip hop dance party. Mm-hmm. I'm like dancing and my girls and I accidentally run into this, like I back into this and I'm like, what the heck? And no. I turn around. No. It's the same guy. This is insane. It's the same guy. And that we was crazy. I don't, he was like, what's up? I was like, what's up? And we just kept over, like, <laughs> we're not meant to be together because it never works out, right? Yeah. <laughs> circling each other. Anyway, so to that point, where I was just wanted to say that, like, sometimes it's just a coincidence. It's yeah. a crazy coincidence, a weird coincidence, but sometimes it's just a coincidence. It doesn't have to be anything other than just a coincidence. There doesn't have to be a romantic connotation with it. Yeah. And it took me a while to meet about by the fifth time of me running into them. I was like, maybe this isn't anything. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's a perfect story to really drive that message home. Cause yeah, like if it were meant to work out with anyone, it would be that guy. But yeah, clearly that's not what it's about. It's not about how you meet. It's not about life bringing you back together. It's not Mm -hmm. about destiny. It's about the connection that you form after the fact. Exactly. Exactly. And if Holly was writing the story, we'd be like, it'd be a great story. If I write my story someday, I'll probably use that and we'll end up together because that sells more tickets. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. This movie, A Lot Like Love, it came out a while ago. I was in high school and mm-hmm. basically in preparation for our interview, I was kind of going through a lot of like rom-coms <laughs> to like remember tropes and stories. And I'd completely yeah. forgotten about this one. It was like my favorite movie for a couple of years when I was like extra cheesy in high school. Yeah. And it was a very similar thing. Like their characters without giving anything away, like they just keep running into each other over years and it'll like the movie will take a break and it'll be like three years later and they'll come back and they've like dated other people, but eventually spoiler they end up together and yeah yeah. yeah, that would be the hollywood version of you and this guy with the dreads exactly versus the real life version the meet cute actually version which is it's nothing yeah there's it doesn't have to always be something no and i think that's the goal of the podcast is to share stories like that when it's just real life yeah (laughs) 
Okay, so I think this is a great time to transition to some of the standout film and TV romances. And I know we kind of talked about, you know, some of the most memorable ones from our childhood were, of course, Disney, because they were so prolific. But are there any other ones from your childhood or even adolescence where you kind of like took away some sort of message or expectation from that media specifically? I mean, yeah, for sure. I love any like makeover ones. <laughs> oh, oh my god, yeah, like Princess Diaries. Like <laughs> Yeah, Princess Diaries, like um She Drives Me Crazy mm-hmm. or Ten Things I Hate About You. Yes. Or- She's all that was the main one. Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed. I was because I was like, very much like a nerd in like school. Same. And like, I, yeah, exactly. And, and when I say was, I mean, like, I'm, I'm still a nerd. Yeah. And, like it's <laughs> ongoing, but I just like hide it better. <laughs> Put a little makeup on. You can't see it as much. I don't know. <laughs> but I think I was like really into those ones because like nerds can find love too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's so sad. High school. Uh, Not sad. <laughs> into it because it's like a wish fulfillment for a nerdy high school girl it's like a i can finally have someone teach me what to do to be like you know traditionally pretty and cool and then the guy in my dreams will pay attention to me like 100 100 that never happened but (laughs) (laughs) definitely not definitely not but um yeah no i think uh i really as a kid i was really into those i really like the big sick i mean now that i'm older I, i tend to like just good movies in general yes and while the big sick is a rom-com it's a true story for one Mm -hmm. but it also you know it was well written and yeah forget the rom-com side to side it's just a good movie so i really like big sick i also am really into movies that show diversity and and shows that show diversity so I know there was a lot of shade around the reboot of Four Weddings and a Funeral this year. Or not oh, this I didn't year, watch but that. Yeah. I watched it. I'm, I'm a big Mindy Kaling fan. I, mm-hmm. I, I love her. I think she's great. I think she's brilliant. And so actually late night, even though it's not a rom-com, but late night I, with her, starting with her in it, it's just one of my favorite movies. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a woman going after her dreams and loves like ancillary to the story, which I, is kind of my new thing with rom-coms yeah. when love is not the main driver of the story the female lead is and it's her yeah. story and it's just like the love interest is like kind of there but it's, yeah. he's not the main story and those are my new favorites um mm-hmm. so like morning glory falls into that kind of mm-hmm. realm as well i watch a lot of rom-coms as you can tell mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reason i brought up mindy kayleen in her rebooting the four weddings and a funeral is because mm-hmm. it's a diverse cast mm, yeah it showed diverse love and different types of love, specifically speaking of the African-American woman mm-hmm. and the, I think he's Pakistani mm. man, I want to say. And yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was like, it was so great and refreshing to see like different types of love and different, mm-hmm. there's no formula for it. Cause I mean, growing up, all the love interests you saw, all the rom-coms are like white and white. Yep. And that's not a problem. White people love each other, but so do other people. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what another movie I really like is Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, like yes. Mm-hmm. I've grown tired of seeing the same people and the same kinds of love stories um, yeah. portrayed. And I think that's another reason why I started Meet Cute, actually, is because I wanted to see more diversity in the love stories. I, I love love. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to keep people loving love in general. And I think showing real realistic stories of love also means showing a diverse range of those stories as well. 
Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have like, you know, interracial couples is important to me. I Mm -hmm. have my first LGBTQ plus couple, which was important to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to show if I could find a polyamorous couple, I would be open to showing that too, because it's not up to society to say what is like a good kind of love Mm -hmm. up to the people in it. So I completely agree. And I feel like that is also my goal when I look for people to interview for my podcast, because I really want it to be that like, Anyone who listens can find at least one episode where they're like, oh, this at least somewhat reflects my Mm -hmm. experience. And like, not all groups of people are a monolith. Like, just because I have two people who identify as queer doesn't mean that like another person who listens is going to think this is my experience. But I still want to have a range of perspectives just to show like there isn't just one way to approach dating, one way to think about dating Mm -hmm. or relationships. Like it's a wide spectrum. So I completely agree with that. So just one point of view. And I think that's like really important to me. And that has changed the type of movies I've watched as I've gotten older. I consider myself the UN of dating is what I say. (laughs) I don't really care where you're from or your background or your ethnicity. It's just about our connection. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, like very rarely do I see couples that reflect the different relationships I've been in over over my life because they're not typical. But I think the more you see it, the less odd it becomes. And I think that's the goal. Yeah. I completely agree. So one that I wanted to bring up from childhood, and I feel like to your point, a lot of what we kind of grew up with, it was very homogenous, both in terms of like, who is represented, but also the messaging. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there wasn't a lot of attempts to teach lessons about like, how to find yourself or being true to yourself. It was really just about like the romance of it all. And that was it. Yeah. And I feel like this was very ahead of its time. I don't know if you watched the Lizzie McGuire. Of course. Yeah, I loved it. And even though I loved the show, there's one episode in particular that I remember in detail. And it's like one where Lizzie tries to like take on all of the hobbies and interests that Ethan Kraft has. Do you remember? She like pretends that she likes golfing and like dresses in plaid. And I don't remember what else he likes, but basically whatever he liked, she was like, oh my God, me too. Mm -hmm. And he, at the end, he's like, yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Like we're so great on paper, but it's just not there. And I was like, wow, that's a really important message to like pass along to the young middle school aged girls watching it. If like, don't change yourself for a guy. And also just learning that it's okay to not be with the person who you like, quote unquote, should be with. hundred percent. And also who you think you should be with is usually not the person you should be with. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're so blinded by your emotions and what you think you're supposed to feel and like what society tells you you're supposed to feel about this person because of they're good on paper because you have the sparkle you think your love story should be and so you think you should feel that way you think you should be with that person when mm-hmm. in reality it's probably someone completely different that, yeah. you, that you should be with and i i 100 agree with that it kind of also reminds me of mean girls which is another one of my favorite movies yeah, same is i can quote from that movie all day <laughs> It never gets old. <laughs> never, ever. And it reminds me of Katie Heron and how she basically tries to fit in to get the attention of Aaron and different mm-hmm. things like that. And yeah, they end up together. Cool. But yeah. they end up together because of Mathley. And that's like totally yeah. okay. Like yeah. She, you have to change yourself. He liked her as who she was mm-hmm. versus who she thought she had to be to get his attention. Totally. Uh, it's a good. It's a good story. It's a great story. It's a quality it, movie. It and really holds up. Like it it's does. It does. So fabulous. <laughs>
So I wanted to also talk about some of the depictions in the media that are like the most toxic or the most damaging. And I feel like a lot of them are, you know, like underlying, they have like some maybe like poor messages that we shouldn't be passing on. But I feel like there are some that are just overtly like, what the hell? Like you really thought this was okay to put out there. 100%. I mean, <sighs> I have a lot of strong opinions and I mm. hold them loosely. When it comes to people's relationships, I try not to put my filter of what I think is acceptable for mm-hmm. you don't know someone's story when you're mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship is completely different looking outside looking in. That said, um <laughs> I love the caveat. <laughs> I said what I said, but now here's the truth. Um I do feel like the stories of the ride or die girl who always has her man's back the one who's always down for whatever mm-hmm. I think has negative connotations. Mm-hmm. I think that it shows you that you're supposed to put up with ever, like if you're really in love, you should put up with whatever that person puts you through. You should always be there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's always the woman in the person in that position. And oftentimes to me, it's also a woman of color, especially black women who are put in that position, the mm-hmm. expectation yeah. of being the ride or die the always down for it like always have your man's back no matter what whatever like you're there to hold your man up and i think that perpetuates like harmful i think perceptions of women in particular Mm -hmm. but especially but especially black women yeah that is a really good one to call out because i do think that there is this media narrative of like oh like you need a good woman who will stick by you through anything and but like where is that narrative for a man, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was actually like talking to one of my friends and like, they were talking about this couple who they really didn't like, I guess the guy was kind of being like an asshole in general and Mm -hmm. they didn't like his personality, but then they were like, but you know, like his wife got really sick and like he stuck by her. And I remember saying like, isn't that literally the bare minimum? Like you've actually committed to this person legally for Mm -hmm. life for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And so it's just like, yeah, I feel like guys in a lot of times, like in the media, they do kind of get away with like doing the bare minimum and that being like, oh my God, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Whereas women are kind of expected to go above and beyond. And to use a pop culture reference, and I didn't see the episode for full transparency, but like this season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I know they're kind of covering like Kim and Kanye's divorce. And I saw a clip of Kim just breaking down about how she felt like a failure for not being able to give Kanye like everything he needs and move to Wyoming with him. And it's like, yeah, I don't know all the dynamics of the relationship. Obviously, there is more to it than just this like two minute clip that I watched. But it is kind of like, I don't know, like, I'm sure you put up with a lot, at least just based on what we can see from the Mm -hmm. outside. So I can't even imagine, but it sucks that she's still like, I feel like a failure because I wasn't able to live this lifestyle, which is totally different than the lifestyle that I had when you met me, you know? Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, like you said, like, you can't know someone's relationship outside looking in, like, you don't know the intricacies, like, even, I'm sure their family members don't even know it as well as they think they do, because Mm -hmm. the people in it know it, like, that's their relationship, that's their connection. I, I I agree. I, I just think that women often get put in the position of the person who needs to forgive, Mm -hmm. the person who oh, he'll do better next time. Or mm-hmm. like the, the, they're supposed to be the understanding ones where I think sometimes, yes, forgiveness is key. Sometimes, yes, you should give people chances because people grow and they change. 
But sometimes people also just tell you who they are at first. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't put your happiness and your sanity and your need for stability beneath what you think a relationship should provide or beneath the need to have a relationship, I think. Mm -hmm. I feel as though oftentimes women tend to put ourselves second to what we think we need to do for a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. where in reality, it should be a two-way street. It should be a partnership. And I have a lot of strong opinions. (laughs) I do too. I do too. Um, And I guess in terms of like, from my perspective of ones that I have thought were toxic and damaging were the ones where it kind of romanticizes this story where the woman is the exception and not the rule. And I have two key examples. One of them being going back to Carrie and Big. I love Sex in the City. If reruns are on, I will watch it at any time. But I feel like Carrie and Big's whole relationship, it like romanticizes wanting to marry a guy who A, married a woman who was like half his age instead of committing to you, then proceeds to cheat on that younger wife with you, then tries to convince you to have like a chill wedding just because he's embarrassed that he already got divorced twice. And then finally gives into the wedding of your dreams and then like ghosts you at the altar. And like, why is that romanticized? And like, why are we perpetuating the story that after all of that, they would be able to have a happy, successful relationship? A hundred percent. And I would build on that by saying that the idea of the exception versus the rule, I think is a very important concept when it comes to dating. And when it comes to just like rom-coms in general, Mm -hmm. the rom-com stories you see are the exceptions. They mm-hmm. are the guy meets girl, different side of the tracks, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, like they get together or guy meets girl, girl gets makeover for being nerd or guy meets girl, girl's like high power attorney decides that she's going to, she's going to stop, like whatever it is, whatever, whatever the cliche moment is, yeah, is the exception yeah, because no one wants to hear the rules. <laughs> No one, no one cares. The rules are boring. The the rule is if a guy doesn't text you back or if a guy doesn't call you, he's not interested in you. Right. That's the rule. The exception is his dog was run over by a milk truck and he had to take it to the veterinarian. So he wasn't around for it, but that's the exception. Absolutely. That's not the rule. The rule is a guy doesn't introduce you to his friends. He's just not that into you. Yeah. It's not that he doesn't really have any friends and because it's so of, sad of, 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 of bringing in he just doesn't know how to like that that's the exception no. that's the rule that's not yes. the rule and i think i think in general rom-coms the hollywood place the exceptions because the exceptions are the stories you hear about think about your girlfriends right the stories they tell you they don't tell mm-hmm. you the boring the boring days they went on no, no. one wants to hear that no one does they want to hear about the subway they want to hear about the guy (laughs) that i ran into five times in my life (laughs) that guy he's interesting no one wants to hear about the rule no No one wants to hear about some guy ghosting you for the (laughs) ghosting you again that's the rule that is the rule you don't want to hear about he ghosted you because you know he was in surgery saving these two Siamese twins and it was a oh life oh yes. really, he, he was on his way to the restaurant but something like they want to hear that story yeah that's the story they want to hear they want to hear the exception they don't want to hear the rule and even okay I also have to bring up he's just not that into you because I feel like that movie started out being like here's the truth ladies and it was like the harsh truths you don't normally have but i was like 
the audacity of this movie to spend the entire time saying you're not the exception, you're the rule. And then for Justin Long to look at her and be like, you are my exception. No, I was so mad. It was such a good movie until the last like 10 minutes or whatever. I was like, this is absolute trash. My first job, and I've always been really into books. And so I worked at a bookstore. Um, And so I remember when he's just not that into the book came out when I was Mm -hmm. in high school. You used to be able to borrow books from the bookstore if they were hardcover because when customers came in, they wanted you to be able to speak to the actual title. So they wanted you to oh, nice. You could take the books of their hardcover and you would be able to take them out and because you put the dust jacket back on. Just, no one yeah, do. yeah. And I happened to have a band trip that weekend and we were going to California and I brought the book with me and we were taking, I remember we were taking the train. We were, no, it was Arizona because we were taking the train up to, to the Grand Canyon. Mm. And we were like an hour journey. And I just pulled it out. And I remember some girls and I, we just sat around and read it like out loud to each other. And we was like, That's yes, awesome. what? And that book, like, honestly, I think that was the, one of the first moments in my life where some of the glass from my Disney glaze, yeah. <laughs> like, it started to be chipped away a bit. And just like the mm-hmm. realities of the situations. And I, I think it was a really good book. <laughs> I think yeah. it helped me, it helped move me forward. And moving forward from the rose-colored glasses, what I thought love should be and what what I would put up with Mm -hmm. and moved it over to like reality and what what things really mean. Yeah. I love that you read that in high school. I feel like that's something that every younger girl who's entering the dating world should read. Yeah, I would co-sign that. I mean, there's so much out there these days with like people who have advice about your love life. Mm -hmm. And I really try to like, in my podcast, I really try to stay away from my opinions about mm-hmm. it because I wanted people's love stories to speak for themselves and people mm-hmm. to form their kind of own opinions. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, really want it to be about me. Yeah. Because there's so much out there these days of people kind of giving you their perspective and what they think works for love, especially guys giving women perspectives on love. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. But I, but I feel like in general, like every situation is different. And mm-hmm. I think that because every situation is different, your response and how you should handle that, that romance should vary. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So two other depictions I kind of wanted to go into are, I feel like we have to cover the cheesiest ones because those are like the ones that are often most prevalent. And I will admit, like, I have one particular one where I'm like, this is so cheesy. It is probably toxic. You know, it's like it definitely perpetuates this narrative of like a woman being saved by a man, like more than most Mm rom-coms. And yet Pretty Woman will always be one of my favorite movies. And it's like she's unabashedly herself and like she owns her standards and what she needs out of their relationship. So I kind of cling to that. And just like, I don't know, I just think it's like a really fun story to watch. But are there any cheesy ones where you're like, I know this is not what love is actually like, but I can't help myself whenever this movie is on? Well, first, on Pretty Woman, there are certain rom-coms that just, some things just don't age well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I went back and watched, I think what movie I went back and watched the other day, but they, they were speaking about tra- like um, trans people. And I was like, oh, this is prob- problematic. Yeah. Like, was just, like, the, the things they were saying, I'm like, we are definitely more aware of mm-hmm. uh, what we should and shouldn't do. I mean, every generation is a little bit more aware. So 100% agree with Pretty Woman. Love the movie, but also there are moments I'm like, this is a bit problematic. This is a little problematic. Yeah. That aside, the cheesiest, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, Freaking those Lifetime movies and Hallmark oh, movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they're so cheesy. They're so <laughs> predictable. Like, I mean, I watch them. I do. I spent the majority of last year watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> Like all of them, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like the holiday season, the Hallmark Channel has like their like special like holiday slate of movies. I'm there for it. I'm here mm-hmm. for it, and I recognize they're cheesy. The same story every single time. It it's is usually a woman who works too much and puts too much of herself into work, and so a man doesn't show her that everything's not about work and there's more to life. Or she moves to a small town because the big mm-hmm. city is a horrible. Thing. Being. you can't possibly find love there because your priorities are out of whack <laughs> like, <laughs> you've lost touch with your values <laughs> those movies i mean <laughs> love to hate them yeah i mean yeah i think those are the, some of the cheesiest ones to me basically because they're the same story it's almost like propaganda in a way mm, that they're yeah. this idea that if you're in an urban metropolitan area you're doing it wrong <laughs> seriously <laughs> or if you're a person who puts the career first before love you're doing it wrong Mm -hmm. or if you are someone who decided to do it on their own and be independent you're doing it wrong Mm -hmm. i i feel like those like you said it's a combination of cheesy and toxic in my opinion that's a little bit it's a little bit of both yeah it's like you need a man who has like a down salt of the earth job and wears flannel to like remind you where your soul is exactly 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 or you know or the the guy who's just a little bit damaged mm-hmm. and you come in to like the savior complex which i think is a very another toxic like a toxic a cliche when it comes to rom-coms that you know yeah. you have to help this person be better yes with a lot of emotional work for you mm-hmm. and you're also putting yourself through that same emotional labor where you don't know the outcome mm-hmm. for one and some people are just not mentally, like, it's not your job to save someone. No. Both of you need to be healthy and stable and mentally sound for a healthy, thriving relationship. The idea that when you go into a relationship, you are there to help them be better. Yes, 100%. You should, yeah. you should grow in a relationship, but you shouldn't be carrying their work of doing, doing the work of being like a better person. Yes. Whatever things you need to get over and get past. Like that's not on you. That's their work. That's their responsibility. But I feel like a lot of times you see in movies, especially Hallmark movies as well, it's like this idea that I'm here to help you overcome whatever thing that you need to overcome. That's not your mm-hmm. responsibility, man or woman. That I just, no. I feel like that is a toxic idea of some of these love stories as well. Yeah, both people need to come into the relationship whole. And then to your point, yes, you can both make each other better. But if one person is making the other better and it's not reciprocated, then yeah, that's not a foundation for a healthy like prosperous relationship in any way exactly a lot of these movies especially a homer channel like lifetime and things of that nature that's where they're getting their tension for their storyline yeah and so they leave you these expectations like that's what you should do that's how you find a relationship yeah yeah so i guess we've kind of talked about like how Hollywood does it wrong. And so I wanted to end with like a positive depiction. And so I think for me, one of the best and most realistic depictions that stands out is the movie, how to be single. And I really just love that it kind of like turned the concept on its head. I feel like most movies would really hinge on her finding the love of her life, ending up with one of the men who she courts throughout the course of the movie. And I just do love that it kind of focuses on her journey and getting to know and rely on herself to be a whole person. So are there any media depictions that stand out to you as like gold standard, something we can all look to that 
doesn't really have that toxicity built in. And so there aren't many. I mean, I hesitate with saying yes, it's definitely one you can look to as good because it's all fiction. Yeah. And that's because true. It's all, because it's all fiction. It's nothing wrong with enjoying a good love story. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. I think that's a good thing. I think to me, the issue is shaping your love and your love story around a fictional love story. Yeah. There's truth in these stories because I mean, the best writing comes from lived experiences and mm-hmm. or someone's truth that you know. Mm-hmm. But I would say even the most realistic depictions of love in Hollywood are so far from the truth. Yeah. So I don't know how to quite answer that question, but I think if I had to pick one, I would say the big six was a pretty, yeah. pretty contender. Okay. I love that. I love that. So as you've kind of, you know, done your podcast, I wanted to close out with some of the standout messages and lessons that you've taken away from the guests that you've interviewed. And I guess Maybe I kind of know the answer to this question already, because to your point, like there's no formula for love, but are there any like themes that you've noticed among the guests that you've interviewed? And like those themes could be anything from like, you know, like you said earlier, maybe they ended up with someone who they wouldn't have expected to end up with or finding someone when you kind of weren't in a scenario where you were actively looking for someone. Is there anything like that that you can point to? You know, I will say most of the couples that I've interviewed, the through line has been openness, Mm -hmm. open to opportunities, open to taking a chance, open to going with the flow. Like it's all about like being open to the situation Mm -hmm. and not having these preconceived notions of what it should be. And I think that has led to the most success of most of the couples I've kind of interviewed. I can think about like one couple that was open to dating. Like one girl, she was just like, I'm going to be open to whatever the universe brings me. And, mm-hmm. and that was like in the park around the corner in that episode, she was hygiene was just like, I'm just going to be open to the universe and just mm-hmm. see what, what it brings me. And she was just an open mindset. I think, you know, in Along Came Molly, they were open just getting to know each other and they were open to seeing where things went. They didn't go into it like the idea that this is someone I'm going to date. Mm-hmm. They went into it just being friends and it just kind of grew to there. And they were open to like just going with the flow and seeing when things happen. They moved in pretty quickly after John moved to New York, but they were open to it. They're like just being open to mm-hmm. where things can go. I feel like, you know, they have things like just go for it. You know, mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. some of the feedback right here, like just go for it. But to me, that's being open to taking a chance, like being open to putting yourself out there and letting yourself get hurt. Like mm-hmm. if it fails, you're, you're open to the opportunity of failing. Mm-hmm. And I think the openness is so key. There are cliches that you hear people say, like, you know, I wasn't looking for it. Yes. But even the couples who have said that to me, that's not what I take away because I think that's mm. such like a, that's one of those cliches I feel like don't help when you're dating. Incredibly unhelpful. It's very unhelpful. And I think also it puts pressure on you not to look. Yeah. Which is counterintuitive. Like it's, it's, it's yeah, like, it's like people are like, you need to put yourself out there, but don't look for someone. Exactly. What, <laughs> what, you, what exactly do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And what I've what I've taken away and what I've kind of gleaned when people say I wasn't looking for it, what they're saying is they didn't have expectations. They yeah. had no expectations on what life was going to give them. And mm-hmm. I think that's the key, not just in life, but also in dating, to have no expectations of what it should be. 
And so I would like, I would love to flip that cliche on its head and get people mm-hmm. to stop saying it because it's the most useless piece of feedback. <laughs> like, Truly. I wasn't looking for it. Well, what does that mean? And also, yeah. like, and also get, it puts you in the headspace of where you feel like you have to actively not look. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Like, for example, I realized like I was like not looking. But I was like taking classes, like taking writing classes, going like walks by myself and different things that I wasn't looking. Mm-hmm. But in those moments of me not looking, I was mindful of like the people around me. Does that make sense? Like you're mindful of like yes, absolutely. your intent of not looking. And I think just as added pressure, it doesn't, and I think it's not about not looking. It's about the understanding that what you should expect from life and what you should expect from your romantic encounters. Like just don't have expectations of what you think it should be. Yeah, I love that so much. I think that's such a great message to kind of end on. But before I let you go, I had to play a game with you. And so I had some fun with this one. So it's basically headache or heartbreak. And the headache being if you are dating this person, and you know, you learn this thing about them, or you make this realization about them, it's annoying, you know, it's not ideal, but you would continue the relationship. Heartbreak means it's a deal breaker. And the twist in this case is that it's rom-com moments, but in real life. Okay. And so I'm going to just describe the moment. And because you're such a cinephile, I feel like maybe you'll be able to guess what movie it's from. (laughs) Um, So bonus points if you can guess, but if not, I'll just tell you. Okay. Okay. So the first one, (laughs) they ask if they can draw you naked after knowing you for only a few days. Okay, Titanic, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's the modern day like sin nudes. Yes. <laughs> but also like he was an artist, and I really do appreciate artists. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would say that would be a headache because mm-hmm. I had to find a way to get around not posing nude, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker, especially if he's yeah. like a true artist. If he's a true yes. artist, I, like, I understand the human form and the woman's form. I understand art, like, as professionally how interesting it can be, mm-hmm. but I would be a little bit like, mm, like I, I, would be, I would be put on edge a little bit. Like this is, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I wouldn't totally trust it. I agree. I would definitely be a little sketched out if everything else were perfect, which is the assumption of all these scenarios. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I'd be like, how dare you and like slap them and like storm out. But I would be like, I don't I don't know about that. And like, if they push for it, even when I've expressed that I'm uncomfortable, then I'd be like, all right, that's that I'm out. Exactly. If they're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, like, totally fine. Let's wait until you're comfortable. Then it's 100%. 100%. It's very, it's very sin nudes kind of vibe. It is really is <laughs> a more romantic like version of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So next scenario. So you, this is someone you're in a serious relationship with. And when you are going to meet their parents, you realize that they've intentionally hidden their family's background and wealth. Crazy rich agents. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Killing <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, that's a headache, but I don't think it's a deal breaker whatsoever. No. I, it's like, Merry Christmas to me. I, right? Like, I, I don't think that's a deal breaker whatsoever. I think the lie would have been what makes it a, a headache, like a, a, like, a, like a red flag is the lying. Mm-hmm. The fact that they felt they couldn't trust me to mm-hmm. love them or appreciate them for them. 
versus their money. Yeah. It's it's funny you actually bring it up because I was talking to this guy for a bit recently and started talking. He was cute, good connection. And he brought up the fact he was like a jazz musician, which I thought was attractive. I love yeah. music. I love artists. I love creativity and people who make things. He was working on an album. He's working on like a teaching course, like kids and jazz. I'm like, that's cool. Like you don't need to be rich to be like worth something. Yeah. And he was telling me, like we were talking one day and he was just like, you know, like he brought up the fact that his family had a lot of money, but, like not just a lot of money. Like, it, like his family has a lot of money. And mm. I was just like, why did you, I was like, okay, cool. But why did you feel the need to tell me that? He was like, yeah. well, people in the past, haven't given me the time of day because they think that I'm poor. I'm like, well, those are people oh, you shouldn't. Those are shitty people. Exactly. Why do you want to date those people? They don't seem like cool people. No. And he was like, yeah, people just like shut me out because they think I'm just like a poor musician. I was like, then to me, personally, I would keep my wealth to myself until they pull up to the house and they see mommy yeah. and daddy's mansion. When they're worth bringing home to meet mom and dad, that's when they find out. Because yeah. I, why not? Why not bet people to make sure that they're in, in it for you and not for your money? I was interested in you because you're you. The money doesn't matter. Like I'm not dating your parents. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I I actually, to be honest, like if someone felt the need to hide their money to make sure that someone was interested in them versus their wealth, I totally understand that. Yeah. I I understand also. I imagine they've probably been burned in the past and Mm -hmm. it's hard to trust people. So yeah. Why, why volunteer that information before it comes up organically? Exactly. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Like your money shouldn't matter in the grand scheme of your relationship. Agreed. Agreed. In my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this next one is a little more niche. So you're like texting with this person that's your primary form of communication, but you realize that they catfished you by pretending to look like one of your classmates. Isn't the movie Zac Efron? No, it's a newer Netflix original it's like one of those teen netflix movies oh i haven't gotten on to those ones yet is it like a ps i love you or no not PS, it's, like always be my maybe no it's um sierra burgess is a loser i will say you're not really missing out on anything it's not like a groundbreaking <laughs> like good movie <laughs> if it were like to all the boys i've loved before that would be a different story but yeah you're no, not I missing mean, out with this yeah it's like i haven't seen that one i'm just like throwing out names yeah i haven't seen that someone catfished you yeah but you're in love with their personality at this point. That might be a deal breaker. Heartbreak? Heartbreak. Heartbreak, yeah. Heartbreak. I love your heartbreak. 100%. I think so too. Like you can't I mean, start a relationship off on a bold-faced lie. 100%. And I mean, I, I, but it goes back to like those like early 2000s, 90s rom-coms. Which I'm, yep. pretty sure this was, I'm pretty sure this was like kind of Cyrano de Bergiac kind of um, moment. Absolutely. And it kind of gives you those vibes. And like, again, Cyrano de Bergiac is this great epic romance, right? And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like if you didn't think that I would be able to see you for you, what does that, what does that say you say, think about me and who I am That's as a true. person? That's true. You're right. It is Cyrano de Bergerac vibes. And as I was thinking about this movie, I was like, is that why they named her Sierra Burgess? Because it sounds like Cyrano de Bergerac. And I think yeah, that's why. Uh, I think so too. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So smart. Yeah. So smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but heartbreak for me too. <laughs> Okay, so this one we've talked about during the podcast also already. So they pretend to be bad at something that they actually excel at just so they have an excuse to talk to you. Mean girls. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I think it's a headache, not a heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Headache because 
I get that you need to find a way to get in. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, I mean, so the thought is that you're trying to find common ground. People do with other, like, romantic relationships aside, you you build relationships by finding common ground. You build a foundation Mm -hmm. by finding common ground. So if the common ground was (laughs) making you feel like you're smart, I don't know. Serious. I actually, I'm, I'm like trying to actually, I'm trying to make it sound better than it is. It's horrible. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do no. that. Especially because it's like she literally, like he wasn't even good at math. Like he was a horrible tutor. Ugh, it just kind of sucks that she was like dumbing herself down. I think is the thing. Like maybe if it were a different thing other than math, it well, would I feel mean, a little different. No, because even like I mean, I like you know playing pool with someone or bowling. Like yeah. I go on dates with people. I'm like, I'm not playing to like impress you. I'm playing to win. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. someone I'm interested in, but I also enjoy winning. So, mm-hmm. but that's also who I'm in as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an independent person. I I'm competitive. You know, mm-hmm. and those are the real sides of me. And by me dulling that part down, I'm dulling down parts of me. And so, are you really getting to? You're dating to get to know me, right? Yeah. And are you really getting to know me by me dulling these parts of who I am? just to make you feel more comfortable with me. Yeah. Is that going to benefit our relationship in the long term? Because I'm sure that if you thought that you were dating someone who sucked at bowling, which I do, but let's pretend I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, then, and then you find out that I bowl a 300 and you're like, I mean, the question is, why did you feel the need to do that? But I still don't think mm-hmm. it'd be a, a heartbreaker. It would be a headache. I, I agree. I agree. It would raise a lot of questions. And I would also be like, do you not think I'm secure enough to handle mm-hmm. your success? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it would just be something to flag and take note of as the relationship progresses. Exactly. Like I wouldn't cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of insulted that you thought I was bad at bowling, that you had to lose for me. <laughs> right? You think? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, again, relationships are about bringing out the best. Like, why don't you then teach me so I can become better at bowling and then we can really compete against each other. 110%. Agreed. Okay. This next one, a bit extreme. They're the love of your life, you think, but they're technically a family member by marriage. Do I know this one? You do. We brought it up early in the podcast. The love of your life, you think, but technically a family member by marriage. Oh, I don't know. It's a 90s movie. One of the classics. Clueless. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all is fair in love and war, I'll say. I feel mm-hmm. like as long as they're not like blood related. Oof. Yeah, no. No Lannister vibes. No, Lan- we don't do Lannister vibes over here. Like we're not, we don't <laughs> do, we don't do incest over here. No judgments, but like, not I me. Mean, yeah i think as long as you're not like i mean i think it's gonna create awkward situations and i think you're like this person is truly worth it i mean yeah as a stepbrother so i think that was like a little weird in general like to me it's like maybe like a cut like your like brother marries a girl and her cousin is like whomever that feels a little more comfortable but but again you truly think your stepbrother is the love of your life and also the thing about them, him being, being her stepbrother it was a stepbrother like later in life it wasn't like they grew up together that's which I think true story a bit that's true that's true because i think i it depends if we became brother or sister like at 10 nope nope and now that's we're weird. like yeah it's, it feels like crosses a line a bit 
but if we became brother or sister at like 19 and 25, I guess it's not, you didn't grow up together. Yeah. So I guess yeah. it's a little different. That's true. I will say, and again, I do see where you're coming from. And like, technically there's nothing wrong with it. For me, it's still a heartbreak. I always thought the plot line of Clueless was a little weird. Like I just was <laughs> like, I don't know. There's no one else. And like, how do your parents feel about this? Also, he's 20 and you're 16. It's literally illegal. I just was like well, that, that, that part, yeah. That, yeah, part yeah, that like, I was just some things don't, don't hold up well of time. No, and, <laughs> I also think of Clueless in particular. Like he, it was his her, it was his ex wife. So they weren't. Yeah. Still, they were it was her. Yeah. Ex so they weren't. Brother. They weren't relatives anymore. You're right. But I think it's funny to think like that is literally the opposite of the meet cute story that people want to hear where it's like, how did you meet your boyfriend? Like, oh, he used to be my stepbrother. Like, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> but it's still an exception to the rule. So people are like, I'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would listen. I wouldn't pull out the popcorn. <laughs> Whole cup of tea poured. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to sit. Tell me, girl, tell me everything. <laughs> Don't leave out any details. <laughs> no details. Everything matters. Everything matters. How did you know dating your brother? Please tell me. Oh my God. Yeah. What a clickbaity headline. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I feel like Clueless is probably based on like some Shakespeare play. I feel like. I think it is. I don't know which one, but I think that was like the period of time where every director was like, let's take this old Shakespeare movie, or not movie, this old Shakespeare like play and turn it into a movie. Like, I think 10 Things I Hate About You is based on Taming of the Shrew. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching that in my prince house when I was a kid, and I was just like, we were watching it, and her parents were like, "Oh, you know this is based on Shakespeare, right?" I was like, "Who?" <laughs> I mean, I knew Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, "Oh, like Romeo and Juliet." It's like, no, like Tammy and the Shrew. Like, I didn't know this play. I was like twelve. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, no. also like, don't ruin this for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let me believe new, it's. I thought it was a new, fresh premise, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It's so it's interesting because, like. I feel like there's almost no fresh premises anymore. Like I even told my mom about promising young woman and I was describing it to her. She's like, I'm going to stop you right there. And then she's like, (laughs) did this, this, and this happen? And I was like, yeah, like you didn't see it. How did you know? She's like, it was just like this other movie that came out 20 years ago. I was like, oh, that's too bad. I really thought that was a unique one. (laughs) Exactly. You're so let down. You're like, it's a great premise because XYZ and XYZ. And you wouldn't believe that XYZ. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) been there done that exactly 50 years ago fine (laughs) yeah it's tough it's tough but i think what that shows probably more so than anything is that when it comes to love it's a tell of this time even the exceptions have happened before Mm -hmm. they're not totally exceptions no that's what that tells me that's so true okay i have two more so one of them this is like if you don't get this like i completely understand because i'm really simplifying it a lot you only meet them because their parent put out an ad to all the women in the town to find his son a wife failure to launch no it's not really a rom-com but we did talk about this genre of film from our childhood it's a cartoon yes disney yes their parent put out an ad Maybe like a bulletin, like a town bulletin. <laughs> Little Mermaid? No, it's Cinderella. You know, and like they hold the ball <laughs> to find a wife for the prince. Oh my god! <laughs> That's why I was like, this is not a fair one. Like, I'm really just like diluting it to some. 
But to be fair, that that premise has been played out multiple times in multiple different ways and multiple rom-coms. So that's true. That's true. It's a trope and it works. <laughs> I guess it's a headache, not a deal breaker, because if the guy didn't know or the person, the potential partner didn't know about it, then I'm not going to hold that against them. They might be perfectly true. fine. Would I have concerns about marrying into a family that does that? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Would I, have, would I have concerns about the mother-in-law being a little too overbearing? Oof. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But very involved. Very, very involved. But I mean, I guess I can be trained. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It depends. Like, it all depends. Like, it all depends on how overbearing. So it has something to do with the guy. You're right. It really it doesn't. Has, it has everything to do with uh, the madre. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I'm interested that you brought that up because my concern was different. It was more like, do I want to date someone who every woman in the town has tried to date and like wants to date that's just a lot of pressure i don't know if i want that i i firmly believe you should date the good looking person but the person doesn't know they're that good looking just no no i agree that's ideal or like when you think they're good looking but it's like oh it's not like so obvious like maybe they don't know how to dress or Mm -hmm. like (laughs) potential you see through the curtains you just like pull back the shape like no that's there's something there Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah i i yeah i see what you're saying but no, I think it's okay. I mean, you know what's interesting? I've, I've had, like, really attractive friends in my life. And I feel like they've had some of the hardest times dating people hmm. because people are intimidated by coming up to them because they don't think they have a chance. Interesting. So, about being open and taking a chance and like, just going for it, I feel like sometimes when you're, like, extremely attractive, sometimes it doesn't always play in your favor because the people, hmm. like, people are afraid to actually take a shot with you because they're afraid of what you might say or the rejection or potential rejection and the people who do take a shot i feel like just thinking about like men in this particular instance oftentimes it's the guys who are like so bold and confident and confidence is an attractive quality but i think sometimes the guys who are like i'm gonna talk to the hottest girl in the room are like that's like confidence that has surpassed into cockiness oftentimes (laughs) yeah you know it's interesting. I feel like there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. There's a, like, there's a fine line that like, you should believe. To be honest, you probably sh- you should walk into a room feeling like you're the hottest person in it. Because if you don't think you're hot mm-hmm. and hot stuff, no one else is going to think you're hot stuff. You're right. Yeah. But with that comes the, the self-awareness to understand that your perception of who you are is not everyone else's perception. And mm-hmm. it's not the world's. And I think it has, it's, like a, it's like a double-edged sword. And I think that is the difference between confidence and cockiness. It's the understanding that you should hype yourself up to the nth degree. Hype yourself up because you are your own biggest champion. Mm-hmm. But you need to be self-aware and humble enough to understand that that's your perception of who you are. Mm-hmm. And like you should be self-aware of that and understand that it's all about your perception of how you think you are. And just, you know, being humble enough to know, understand that you probably aren't the hottest yeah. person in the room. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just is problematic when it stands in the way of self-improvement. If you're confident, but you're like, there's always room to grow in X, Y, and Z area, I think that's fine. But when you're like, no, I'm hot shit, no one can touch me, and I'm perfect, then yeah, we have an issue. That's where the self-awareness comes into play, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, should, you should be self-aware. Like, I mean, I have definitely, I'm confident about some things with myself, and then I'm not so confident about other things. And yep. even, even the things I am confident about, I am confident in the fact that I could probably be better in them. <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I feel yep. like there's always room to grow and improve, 100%. Absolutely. Okay, so the last one, and this is maybe one of the more extreme ones. So you're pretty sure that they're the one, 
but you only met them after your sibling brought them home as their fiance for Christmas. Pretty sure they're the one that you only met them after your sibling. Oh, I feel like I should know this. I feel like you will. I don't know. I don't know if I know it. We didn't talk about it earlier. Yes. So that the main actress in it starred in one of the shows that we talked about a couple times. That might be too broad of a hint. Hilary Duff? No, older. Melissa Joan Hart? (laughs) No, I would say a little older than her. Yeah, older than her as well. Julia Roberts? No, but around the same age, maybe. I don't know. I don't really know actresses' ages, actually. (laughs) I was kind of guessing here. (laughs) Okay, okay. So it's Carrie, Sarah Jessica Parker. She's the star in this movie. I don't think I've seen this one. Family Stone? You know, I actually haven't. Oh. No, no, that's a lie. I have. I have seen it. I've seen it once. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah, sorry. that was another wild one to me where it was like, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I think it's like she ends up cheating on her fiance. Like they get in a fight. She ends up like making out with the brother And then it's like, oh, it's okay, though, because the brother also ended up hitting on someone else. And I hate those movies where it, like, justifies cheating because it's like, oh, but the other person was a bad person, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's still messed up. I would say that's a a deal breaker. I I don't know. I feel like you're, I mean, every relationship, again, exceptions versus rules. Like, I don't want to judge someone's relationship. I'm sure there's a story out there of someone coming home to meet the family realizing that the brother is where it's at and not the current. <laughs> and I get it. I'm sure it's happened. I can't I'm imagine. But for me, I feel like I wouldn't want to be the rift in someone's family life. No. And I feel like, that, I feel, I feel like that would, that's the type of thing that would linger for years. Even if I en- did end up like staying with that person long-term, I think that would be, a, that would be a rift that would like linger for years. Like that's yeah. not something that you easily get over, I think. I agree. Even if you do get over it, so it's going to be the, that trust will be broken. I think. Mm-hmm. And again, I know it happens. It ha- obviously it happens. It definitely happens. I just, for me, wouldn't want to be that person. So yeah, it might be hard to walk away, but I would probably walk away from both of them because clearly oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not as in love with you as I thought. If I yeah. was looking at your brother. Yeah, that's a heartbreak for me. And to, similar to your point, it's just like I don't know that. Just I can't imagine the family dynamics going forward. It would be so messed up. So messy. Yeah. And I don't like messy. I barely like sloppy Joes. Like, I don't like being messy. <laughs> I agree. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. If it's like drama filled, I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'll watch it on TV. I don't need it to be a part of my life. And also I would be a little suspect of the brother of like, you're really okay stealing away your brother's fiance. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's also kind of, again, I understand that sometimes you feel so drawn, you feel like this person is the one, but I don't know. There's so many people out there. Do you really have to go for the person your brother has already proposed to? My theories on love. This is, again, just my opinion. This is no research to, to back this up whatsoever. This is my opinion. Um, my theory is that I do, I do, I'm still a hopeless romantic, so I still believe like in soulmates and I want to believe mm-hmm. in it because I just, I love the idea of it. So I do believe everyone has a soulmate, but I think that love, that soulmate love is so deep and so intense that it's rare. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a level below soulmates that is equally as rare, but there's more opportunities for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you never meet your soulmate, you think that level beneath it where there's more opportunities and there's like 20, 30, 50, 60, 100 opportunities for you to meet that one person, you think it is the soulmate because, yeah. because 
you've never met your actual soulmate. Because I mean, mm. what, the world is one in one billion, like there's 7 billion people mm-hmm. more than that in the world. Like the chance of you actually meeting your soulmate and that soulmate being in your dance class or mm-hmm. down the street when you grew up, I find that hard to believe. I feel yeah. it's more likely that your soulmate is someone who lives in like, I don't know, Australia or like yep. a, a region of like North Korea for all you know. Like I feel yeah. more likely yeah. than the person who you're meant to be with being down the street. There's it's just the odds are not there. But I think that terrible niece soulmate is so close that you just don't know. It's good. It's great. But I just think there's more than one of those people. Yeah. To give you a chance of finding like happiness and love. But I think a soulmate, that connection is just so rare that I don't think, I think people who even think they have their soulmates, I'm, oh, that sounds this is so controversial. But I think people <laughs> who even think they found their soulmates, they probably, it may not even be the one they think it is. Because, no, you know, I, I completely agree with that logic. And I know I said that was my last question, but that leads me to ask something. Have you mm-hmm. watched The One on Netflix? I'm currently watching it. Yes. Ah! Oh my gosh, I wish you'd finished it so we could dive in. Well, we can dive in offline. I think it's such a fascinating concept. For any of the listeners who haven't heard of it, just to give a brief synopsis, it's set in like either present day or near future. There's this like scientific breakthrough where this woman figures out the gene sequences to pair someone with the person who they are destined to fall in love with. And just the relationship dynamics that follow, like do people decide to get matched? How do those matches play out? If you're already in a relationship, do you still decide to figure out who your match is anyway? And then how do things play out from there? It's a fascinating show. I mean, it's super fascinating. And I think that I think what I find very interesting and it's just like the the results and the fallout of it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like your soulmate may not be the person you're meant to be with, which is also a crazy thought to get across. Like just because that's your soulmate, that person does not necessarily mean it's the best fit for you yeah. or it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're meant to be together and like I don't know I just I find it a really interesting concept I just think I find the idea of soulmates an interesting concept in general I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about like romanticizing love and thinking of what it should be and I think about times I've been in love in the past and some of those times it was good for that moment but it wasn't good for forever yeah. But even so, I think I might have had closer to a soulmate experience with some of those people, but they weren't mm-hmm. meant for the long term. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I do. It's not always what you think is going to be, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> Gosh, a very deep <laughs> and poignant <laughs> moment to end on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But, I'm trying to get the light. Yeah. No, no. no. I think it's great. just, it's good food for thought. It's great food for thought. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. And I loved being able to geek out over rom-coms with you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And you did a, you're a great interviewer. So oh, thank you. Your podcast. You're really good. Oh, <laughs> and the last thing I want to ask before you go is, can you plug where listeners can find your podcast and anything else that you're working on? Yeah, sure. So if you're interested in hearing stories, like real BQ stories, you can listen on any of the listening platforms. Meet Cute actually on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other major players in the podcast. <laughs> you can also go to meetcuteactually.com um, to see more about the couples and find out more about me, the host. Or um, you can find us on Instagram at meetcuteactually and on TikTok at meetcuteactually. Um, oh, I didn't know you have a TikTok. Content, yeah, <laughs> video content and social content that kind of helps you find your own Meet Cute because that is the goal of the podcast ultimately is to keep people loving love and 
to keep people inspired to find their own um, niche. Love that so much. And as always, you can find me at Leslie Nope on Instagram, L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E, or find the podcast at Interstates and Heartbreak, all spelled out on Instagram as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.